Good morning, good people. My name is Nikki, and I'm your host of the Black Girl Budget Podcast. The Black Girl Budget Podcast has an international audience with listeners from Canada, Jamaica, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and Finland, to name a few. Welcome to season four, where I'm going to teach you how to recognize and avoid pyramid schemes, the various kinds of scams, predatory lending practices, and so much more. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok to catch my new scam series where I discuss scams associated with Netflix, Amazon, Apple, and more. (laughs) With over 30,000 downloads on the podcast, the Black Girl Budget community is growing and I am happy that you're here. Season four is officially here and I'm so excited for all the topics that we're going to discuss because they have been on my mind very heavy lately. I've already started this topic on Instagram and TikTok so you guys can follow me there. And we've done a scam series discussing various scams that you all are actually very familiar with and a lot of you have commented and told me about like recent incidents where you've run into scammers that have texted you, emailed you, and called you. And several of those videos have gone viral. So thank you guys for engaging with that content because we really do want to let people know that there are scams out here affecting us in our day-to-day lives. It's going to be very important. Before we get started on our topic for today, the newsletter did go out on August 1st. So if you're subscribed to the newsletter, make sure you check it out because this month's newsletter came with five budgeting tips, industry news, and a budget-friendly recipe that I already tried. It's actually pretty good. And I'm going to try it again this weekend. So definitely try that when you guys get a chance. And if you do try it and post it online, tag me so I can see what your thoughts were. There's also a discount code that came in the newsletter for the new resource that is available now. It's called the Ultimate Budget Blueprint. Make sure you guys go ahead and purchase that. I love the blueprint because not only does it give you three months of budgeting, spending trackers, and notes, but it also does the calculations for you in the blueprint so you don't have to do it yourself. Now, keep in mind that we are doing a 30-day spending challenge, and I don't really care how much you spend during the spending challenge. The whole point is for you to track your spending and the budget blueprint is the perfect place to track your spending. So if you join our 30-day challenge, make sure you grab your blueprint so you can keep up with us. And the whole point is to figure out if we're overspending or if we're staying within budget. Now, let's get to today's topic. So in seasons one through three, we talked a lot about the foundational information we needed for financial success and financial literacy. And it got me to thinking, right? Even if we had emergency funds and we were controlling our spending and we were changing our mindset, we could run into any scam, scheme, or fraud and have our finances disrupted just like that. So why not start talking about these scams and different frauds that are going on so that people are aware and can protect their budget and their overall financial goals? And that's what season four is all about. Now, I'm not going to lie. Some of you have already probably been victim to some of the schemes and scams that we'll talk about. And I don't want you to feel personally attacked, ashamed, or guilty, but instead share your stories with us. Share them because people need to know that these are real things happening in everyday life and no one is exempt from being victim of scams or frauds. So it's really important that we spread this information and make sure that as many people as possible are aware of what's going on. And don't forget, you can submit questions and stories for the Black Girl Budget Podcast. I'm going to link that right below in this episode as well as in my link tree so you guys can submit stories of maybe how you've been a victim of fraud, how you were able to get out of that situation, and how it affected you and what you learned. You can also submit questions if you'd like me to answer some questions you have on the podcast as well. 
Now, I know y'all like Nikki, why should I care about these scams though? And I'm glad you asked. So let's talk statistics. In the United States alone, 5.8 billion with a B dollars were stolen from consumers last year. And that's up from 3.4 billion in 2020. But let's keep in mind that there was a whole pandemic popping off in 2020 and we were still defrauded $3.4 billion. In Canada, consumers lost a record high of $379 million in scams. That was in 2021. And that was a 130% increase from 2022. In the UK, consumers lost 1.3 billion pounds to scams. That was a 40% increase from 2020. So we're not talking about small amounts of money. We are talking about large amounts of money overall, right, in these countries. And this is definitely a problem. Dare I say it is a crisis and we should be talking about this and you should definitely be concerned. Now, scammers are very adaptive, aggressive, and very convincing at times. So you have to remember that they're coming at us from all angles and they're coming from everyone. No one is exempt from being a victim to scams and fraud. And, you know, even if it's a small amount of money, it's still your money that you worked for and that you earned. And you don't deserve to have that money stolen from you because someone is out here doing scams. It's just, it's unnecessary and I don't like it. And it can really affect your budget and your financial goals in the blink of an eye. So we should all be aware of the scams that are out here. Now, I use the words scammer and scam interchangeably, but we're going to start with the word scam because it is probably the most common word that I've been using as well as seeing online. So remember, a scam is a deceptive scheme or trick used to get someone to part with something. Now, keep in mind that I said something, not part with money specifically. And that's something that all of us should be aware of is that not all scams are trying to get us to part with money specifically. It's just trying to get us to part with something. That could be anything from our homes to our cars, to our businesses, et cetera. And if you're not aware that those kind of scams are happening, you could be the victim of losing your house, your car, or your business. And how would that affect your budget? Exactly. So keep in mind that scams are based on deception. So scammers are trying to get you to part with something by lying to you, misleading you, hiding the truth, or distorting the truth. Now, what's crazy is the first reported scam actually dates back to 300 BC in Greece. And I'm going to give you guys the short history version of this. I'm going to change some of the names because I really can't pronounce them, but just don't judge me. Roll with it. <laughs> so two shipping merchants named Hegestratus and Xenothemus. I'm going to call them Hegs and Zeno. Okay. I'm going to call them Hegs and Zeno. <laughs> they took out a bottomry on a ship and a cargo, and the cargo was corn. So a bottomry is when a merchant takes out a loan with the promise to repay the loan with interest once they sell their merchandise. If the loan is not repaid, then the lender gets to keep the ship and the cargo. Now, shortly after leaving Perch, after leaving the port, Hegs goes into the cargo hold while Zeno is on the deck distracting everyone else on the ship. All of a sudden, the captain is on the deck. He's talking to Zeno and he hears this sound. So he's like, Zeno, do you hear this sound coming from the cargo hold? And Zeno's like, nah, I, I don't hear anything. 
but the captain is confident that he hears some kind of sound. So the captain, the crew, and the passengers, they all go into the cargo hold to hear what, the, to see what this noise is. And they find Higgs. And so the captain says, Higgs, like, what's that sound? Do you know what the sound is? And Higgs is like, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> so they look around and they don't see anything that the noise could be coming from. So everyone starts to leave the cargo hold to go back up to the deck. When all of a sudden, one of the passengers notices that Heggs has an axe behind his back. So they tell the captain, like, yo, this man got an axe behind his back. Like, what's going on? So the captain starts looking around a little more, and he notices that Heggs is trying to cut a hole in the hull of the ship because he's trying to make the ship think. So in a panic, Heggs runs out of the cargo hold, and he goes up to the deck. Some people say that he was chased to the deck, but this neither here nor there. My man ends up on the deck. He jumps off of the boat into the water and he's trying to swim to like a little boat that the cargo ship is towing. Y'all, why did he not make it? And he drowned at sea. And I'm just like, a, a sea merchant drowned at sea? What's the irony though? is that the whole point of him cutting a hole in the boat was so that the men on the boat would also drown so no one could really tell that he was committing this fraud, right? So very ironic. But the fact that this is the first recorded in 300 BC, y'all know the girls are skim scamming before that, right? So if you know of some kind of historical scam before 300 BC, <laughs> definitely drop it in the comments and let me know because I'm all ears. Now, another popular scheme is the Ponzi scheme. And a Ponzi scheme is a fraudulent investing scam that promises high rates of return with little risk to the investors. A Ponzi scheme is a fraudulent investing scheme and it generates returns from earlier investors by using the money from later investors. Now with Ponzi schemes, investors are gonna give their money to a portfolio manager. And when it's time to get their money back, that money is gonna come from the newer investors, right? The people who are investing today, not the ones that were investing last month. Now I know some of y'all are like, Nikki, why is it even called a Ponzi scheme? And of course, I'm going to give you the short historical version of this. <laughs> so in the early 1900s, Charles Ponzi told investors that he was able to take advantage of fluctuating currency values to purchase international postal reply coupons. This just sounds very early 1900s. <laughs> so these were postage vouchers that senders of a letter from one country could include in their letter. So when they send it to another country, they could prompt a reply and that reply would already be paid for with those coupons basically. So Ponzi claimed that he could purchase the coupons abroad and then come back to the U.S. and sell them at face value. Now, Ponzi refused to provide the details of how this strategy was going to work. And my man said, I don't want to give all the details to my competitors. Fair, fair, right? So anyway, Ponzi promised investors a 50% profit within 45 days and 100% profit within 90 days. And from the looks of it, Ponzi was a man of his word because the earlier investors were definitely getting their cut. Now, due to what appeared to be his financial success, he soon has people tripping over themselves to give him money, like just throwing money at this man. <laughs> but the math wasn't mathing. 
right? And he wasn't actually paying investors out with profit. He was paying them from the newer investors. So all in all, Ponzi was brought down by a series of investigative reports in the Boston Post newspaper, which ultimately led to a federal criminal investigation resulting in mail fraud charges. What I love about this historical story is that Ponzi wasn't even the first to do this. In 1879 in Boston, I guess the girlies were just scamming Boston on up, okay? So in 1879 in Boston, Sarah Howe pulled off the same exact scam. Now, I love a woman villain. So Sarah opened the Ladies Deposit Company, and it was a bank run by women for women. It was like the FUBU version, but feminist if that makes sense. So the company's mission was real simple though. It was to help white women gain access to the booming world of banking. And the bank only accepted deposits from so-called unprotected females. I'm going to say unprotected women, right? Women who did not have a husband or a guardian that was handling their money. So this is like a feminist villain take. I feel like Marvel, you should jump in on this and get a movie started or something. Give her some some powers or something. Put her in Avengers. <laughs> so in return for their investment, how promised incredible results, like an 8% return on the investment. So deposit $100 now, and she promised an additional $96 back by the end of the year. And to sweeten the deal, new depositors got their first three months in advance. So, of course, the ladies were like, yes, please and thank you. But, of course, this is a woman making bank with other women. So skeptics expressed their doubts as to how she could really guarantee such high returns. And I'm sure this wasn't solely because she was a woman, but we know, right? We know. So Sarah offers this explanation. She says the ladies deposit company was no ordinary bank, but instead it was a charity bankrolled by who? the Quaker philanthropist. My girl was prepared. She was prepared. So word of the bank quickly spread among single women. I mean, housekeepers, school teachers, widows, you may name it. They were throwing the cash at Sarah, right? Like again, people just throwing money, trying to get in on this opportunity. So money comes in from Buffalo, Chicago, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Washington. And Sarah didn't even take out a single newspaper ad. Like that's how much the girlies were trying to get in on this. So the ladies deposit gathered at least $250,000 from 800 women. This is in 1879. Historians think it was more like half a million dollars, which would equate to like $13 million today. So Sarah was nothing to play with, basically. Now, with these two schemes, the Ponzi scheme and, and Sarah Howe scheme, what do we notice People were throwing money at them, right? Literally like, take my cash. I'm trying to get in on this. And this is what's called irrational exuberance. I did not know this as a term, but apparently this term was popularized by former Federal Reserve Chairman Alan Greenspan. So this is when people observe others making big profits from some kind of investment and they determine slash decide that the investment is safe even though there's really no underlying reasons to support this conclusion there are other people making money they're excited about it i want to make money i'm excited about 
irrational exuberance. So when you see this happening, as it often does on social media, let's call it what it is. And let's use our BGB words, right? Because we see people doing things on Instagram, TikTok all the time where they're like, I made $50,000. So naturally the rest of us are like, we'll share the secret, right? And then we're throwing money at it as well. Irrational exuberance. We want reasons and we want support to back up why we should be investing in things. So let's talk about pyramid schemes. <laughs> so first, what is the difference between a Ponzi scheme and a pyramid scheme? The essential difference between the two is that a Ponzi scheme generally only requires investors to invest, right? The victim is just throwing in money and they're promised some kind of return at a later date. With pyramid schemes, usually the victims are offered an opportunity First of all, if you ever hear the word, I got an opportunity for you, run. Victims are offered an opportunity to make money by recruiting more people into the pyramid. Pyramid schemes also promise easy riches through investment opportunities or marketing of consumer goods and or services. Now, the scammers at the top of the pyramid are going to reach out to potential entrepreneurs often through social media, YouTube videos, online ads, Instagram, TikTok, et cetera. And they're going to give you some kind of fine financial presentation. For an upfront fee, you lucky investors can join the team selling whatever the product is. So we noticed Ponzi scheme, you're investing in something and you're just getting a return, right? At some later date. Pyramid scheme, you are given the opportunity to invest, but it's also an opportunity to make money. So there's a little more effort, right, on the victim's part in the pyramid scheme. So the real pitch is that participants can make big profits by bringing other people into the pyramid, earning commissions from those who join. Now, the next layer of recruits are supposed to go out and bring in more people and so on and so on. Now, with a cut of all the fees flowing to the top, you can see how the people at the top are making money. And the people at the bottom are just giving their money, right? So here are some signs of pyramid schemes. There's an emphasis on recruiting. That's going to be important. Major red flag. There's no genuine product or service that's being sold. Promises of high returns in a short period of time. Easy money or passive money. There's no demonstrated revenue from the retail sales. Like no one is showing you how much money they actually made. They're just maybe kind of telling you. There is a complex commission structure and there's no support or training on how to maintain bookkeeping and accounting, which is my personal favorite. Like you got a whole business, you're showing me how to be an entrepreneur, but you're not telling me how I should maintain the books, right? Red flag. Now, are y'all thinking what I'm thinking? That these pyramid schemes sound like multi-level marketing. Exactly. So the main idea behind the MLM strategy is to promote the maximum number of distributors for the product and exponentially increase the sales force. The promoters get commission on the sale of the product, as well as compensation for sales their recruits make. Thus, the compensation plan in multi-level marketing is structured so that commission is paid to individuals at the multiple levels when a single sale is made. And commission depends on the total volumes of sales generated. Pyramid schemes, however, are disguised as MLM strategies 
And the difference between the two is that there's no real product that is sold in the pyramid scheme, right? Participants try to make money solely by recruiting new participants into the pyramid. So that's the main thing is like the money is just coming from getting more people into the pyramid. The main point of these schemes is the promise of sky high returns in a short period of time for doing nothing other than just handing over your money and then getting other people to hand over their money. So you can see where the red flags are really starting to pop out with the pyramid scheme. Now from the FTC, MLM companies sell their products or services through person-to-person -person sales. That means selling directly to other people, maybe from your home, from a customer's home, or online. If you join an MLM program, this is from the FTC, not me, the company may refer to you as an independent distributor, participant, or contractor. Most MLMs say you can make money two ways. One, by selling the MLM products yourself to retail customers who are not in the MLM. And two, by recruiting new distributors and earning commissions based on what they buy and their sales to retail customers who are not in the MLM. The recruiters, excuse me, the recruits, the people who recruit and so on, become the sales network or what we may have heard called the downline. If the MLM is not a pyramid scheme, it will pay people based on their sales to retail customers without needing to recruit new distributors. So let's move on to predatory lending practices because there are a lot of those out there as well. Now, the Department of Justice says predatory lending practices are the fraudulent, deceptive, and unfair tactics some people use to dupe people into mortgage loans that they can't afford. But predatory lending is also used against people who are in vulnerable financial situations and may need money for an emergency. Predatory lending usually means there are unfair, deceptive, or abusive loan terms. In many cases, predatory loans carry high fees and interest rates. And I actually kind of touched on that in an earlier episode in season three. So I can't wait to talk about that because there's so many of us losing money to these predatory practices and no more. We need to stop it. We Not that we need to stop it as the victims, but they need to stop it. Now, these kind of practices, I am going to get into them in a lot of detail. So I'm going to save a lot of that information today because this is a topic we could talk about for forever. Just the history of predatory lending practices and how racism plays into predatory practices. And then where we are today with just, I'm not going to get into it today, but just know we're going to have a good discussion about that. Now, kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum are romance scams. With these kind of scams, a fake identity is used for an online or in-person relationship where the scammer uses the love, closeness, or relationship with someone to manipulate the victim or just outright steal from them. We might call these scammers con artists. And not too long ago, one was trending due to a Netflix documentary. So you may already be familiar with these kind of scams. Now, this is just the tip of the iceberg on the kind of scams that are out there, but why do people even fall for these scams? There are so many reasons people can be victims of these scams, but what's important is that we're not going to shame victims for being victims. I've actually had 
a few people on my TikTok say stuff like, oh, if you're still clicking on links, you deserve to be scammed. Oh my gosh, if you're still trusting random people that call you, you deserve to have your money stolen. No one deserves to be a victim. No one deserves to have their money stolen. And so we really do need to start with not justifying why these scams are happening and why our money is being stolen, because that is what it is. Our money is being stolen. So don't try to justify the scammers scam <laughs> and don't try to shame or guilt the victim into feeling bad because they thought that they thought that they were on the phone with their bank or they thought that they were really going to live it up after investing in whatever kind of scheme, right? So we want to make sure that we destigmatize being a victim of scams and fraud and that we focus that same energy on the scammers. That and there's there's no way you can convince me that we should be blaming people for being victims when you have to remember frauds and scams are adaptive. My man who was skim scamming in 300 BC, that scam has adapted to people doing that for the insurance policies and the insurance companies that we have today. So they're going to adapt. They're going to change. When they realize that people are catching on, they're going to switch it up to make it fresh and new so no one recognizes that this is the same scam as the last one. So let's first start with not blaming people for being victims of deception. That's what it is. Remember, I talked about that earlier. It's distorting the truth. It's misleading. It's lying. And, and when you're just thinking, I'm talking to my bank or I'm talking to this company that I've done business with for years, you're not really thinking that someone's going to scam you. But now we do have to be very much aware of who we're talking to and who we're giving our information to. This is our money that we worked hard for, and we don't deserve to have it stolen by anyone, by anyone and by any means. In this season, we're going to talk about specific companies and people that fall within these categories and how to recognize red flags in order to protect yourself and others. As we move through this season, share this information with friends and family and save a budget. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast channel and the YouTube channel and follow me on Instagram and TikTok for more daily content. Thanks for joining the Black Girl Budget Podcast, and I'll talk to you next week.